Welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your ticket somewhere over the rainbow and down many a yellow brick rabbit hole for all royal revisionists and fans of Oz to fall down together. Today, you've landed in our Slipperhood series where we interview many of the magical folks who identify with or have stepped into the legacy of the sparkly shoes, no matter if they are silver or ruby red, in a Broadway caliber production or homemade from the heart. May Oz continue to connect us across gender identities, generations, and cultures thanks to things like recognizable gingham, and inspire our next steps today. Debbie Weilman, winner of the Broadway World Vocalist of the Year 2020, is following in the footsteps of Judy, Barbara, and Gaga with her very own A Star is Born story. Recently married, Debbie threw herself into a full-time stay-at-home mumhood with abandon. Then along came the pandemic, and Debbie decided to film herself singing a song a day, mostly from outside in her car so as not to disturb the neighbors, and share her videos on Facebook. Over one million views later, yes, that's right, a million, she started an international collaboration with Billy Stritch, Liza Minnelli's musical director. And now she is truly an internet sensation. Debbie is a stage actress and singer. She starred in the hit musical Little Voice on tour, a deft comedian, and an extraordinary vocal impressionist. Her impression of Judy Garland has been called uncanny and astonishing, but there's also a bit of Bassey, Monroe, Streisand, Julie Andrews, and Billie Holiday thrown in there. Debbie is very excited to premiere her new album, I'm Still Here, the songs Judy Garland would have sung if she was still with us today. This will be her New York City debut at Carnegie Hall. She'll probably rabbit on a bit and have a laugh too because, well, that's what she does. Something has changed within me Something is not the same Welcome listeners, we have a very special Down the YBP episode to drop on the eve of someone's Carnegie Hall debut. This is just super exciting. We have to welcome first and foremost, Debbie Weilman. Debbie, we're so happy to have you here. We're both like fangirl freaking out. Oh yeah. Ah, thank you very much for having me. (laughs) You're so welcome. You're so welcome. We, um got introduced to your work probably a couple months ago because we're not big Facebookers. We're going to be uh-huh. very honest. The two of us are Instagrammer <laughs> more, <laughs> more Instagrammers. Um, but we got introduced to your work and it just feels like what you, how, how your voice in, wraps around a song takes us back to like a different era that I think both of us sometimes musically wish we were alive for. And Mm -hmm. it's just so amazing what you have done going from this lockdown project to now making your debut on at the cathedral of performance venues, which (laughs) I, that's what I think Carnegie hall is. It's such an insanely stunning venue with so much history, obviously, and especially to Judy Garland. 
Um, it's just so exciting. So just to get us started, I mean, it feels like we're like talking to you like on a Christmas Eve this day before. <laughs> How do you feel today? Just so we can check in with you. Like yeah. what is pulsating through you? <laughs> well, it's mainly excitement. There's a bit yes. of nerves, not going to lie, bit of nerves, mainly mm-hmm. excitement and a bit of disbelief, to be honest. I'm oh. just, I'm still like, what? Carnegie Hall? Are you, <laughs> ah, no. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I was, it's still unbelievable to me, but brilliant. Yeah. It's, it still doesn't seem real. We got, our flight was delayed last night and we came into New York at about half one in the morning and just driving in the cab into the city. I was just mm. like, oh my God, yellow cabs, big, big skyscrapers. Ah. And like we went down. <laughs> Fifth Avenue, and I was like, you've got to, of course, as Easter Parade is my favourite Judy film. Mm-hmm. On the Avenue, oh. Fifth Avenue, the Get photographers will stop us, and you'll find that you're in the road of reviewer. Oh, I could write a sonnet about your Easter bonnet <laughs> and of the guy I I'm taking to the Easter parade. And then the chorus takes over and he puts the engagement ring on. She gives him the wrong hand because she doesn't know her left from her right, which is like me because I don't know my left from my right either. (laughs) I have ascended to heaven. I feel I can nerd out with you. I feel I can be full nerd because I feel you're getting it. Oh, do it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're we're very nerdy here. You've come to the right place. You've come to the right – oh, my gosh. Debbie, I have tears in my eyes. (laughs) I feel so honored that we just got to witness that. (laughs) Also, we have to share this, Em. So I signed on. My name in our sign-on right now on Zencaster, my name is Hannah Brown because I knew that was your favorite (laughs) Judy movie. But she goes, why are you the Bachelorette contestant's name? (laughs) You got to add a little Bachelorette. I love it. I was like, get out. <laughs> you gotta you gotta have some bachelor. I mean, well, we do love Hannah Brown the Bachelor. Juanita. Well. <laughs> yes, Juanita, the pirate. Yeah. Yes, oh, just no, watched that what... for the first time. If you wanted a Juanita, why did you pick me? It's <laughs> Hannah Brown. That's what he tells Hannah Brown to become. Juanita oh, and you. Right, that's it. Mr. Crane, <laughs> the pirate. Right. Yes, yes, yes. She's, she's Manuela in the pirate. That's it. I was like, she has a fantastic mm. name in the pirate. Yeah, that's a Yeah, I love the pirate. So uh, there's not as much love for it. I feel that there should be because she's very knowing in that. I think it's quite a contemporary film, to be honest. And people don't quite get it. They're like, oh, she wasn't acting. She is acting. It. It's a knowing acting. You know. Anyway. I just love when she throws all the things at Gene Kelly. That is my favorite moment of that movie. She just like, it's like every, I think every human has that dream to just have a moment where it's like, you have a room, you can break everything in it and take out all your anger. And she gets to do that. And I was like, we also know at that point in her life, she was struggling a little bit with MGM. I was like, I hope she's taking everything out and every toss that she gets. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, it's amazing. I love the bit in that when Gene Kelly has the cigarette in his mouth when he's singing Nina, or mm-hmm. he takes the cigarette out of the girl's mouth, puts it in his, hides it in his gob, gives her a snog, and then gets the cigarette back out. Ridiculous. That always makes you go, oh, oh <laughs> my bits. gosh. <laughs> the bits. The bits, the bits. 
Well, okay, Debbie, we want to rewind a little bit and yes. just hear a little bit about your story, your exposure to Judy Garland. We have heard that you come from a musical family, which mm-hmm. is yep. so amazing. I was listening to an interview with Lorna Left recently, and she was like, I just joined the family business, everyone. Like, everyone's musicians <laughs> in my family. I just joined the family business, which completely makes sense. Also, Knowing now, we know Easter Parade was your touch point in to Judy, which I consider to be her MGM peak performance. Like, I really Mm -hmm. think that encapsulates everything Judy was capable of because we also see don't sleep on Judy as a dancer. Like, do not sleep Mm. on set on her. Like, and I think that gets lost Mm -hmm. a little bit that she was a really good dancer who could keep up with Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. Like, amazing. So just want to hear more about like your Dame DNA, as we call it, like all these women who've <laughs> influenced you and your performance history up until this point. Wow. Well, I was introduced to Judy Garland, not literally, obviously, uh, <laughs> and all <laughs> of dream. like the real MGM musicals and all that sort of thing through my grandmother, my dad's mum, who is very musical. Um, I called her Nana. She was called Joanna. Yeah. And she was yes. a brilliant pianist. She had a Beckstein ground at her house. She was a fabulous pianist. She used to sing as well. She was a teacher. She was a single mother and a teacher. And um, when she retired, age 60, she all had always wanted to write. So she tried writing a novel that got published. And she had 16 books published. And she only started when she was 60. Um, so she was That's brilliant. Awesome. And um, I was very close to her, only grandchild. And um, I used to go around to her house at least once every week. And we used to watch films together. And she loved all the classic movies. And when I was about six, so we already got into Fred and Ginger and things like this, which I loved. Um, Follow the Fleet was an early favourite when I was like three. And I remember um, she used to say that she thought it was hilarious. When I was three, I was really, really crying because I hate going to bed even then. And I was like, I don't want to go to bed. And I came out with, all my heroes are dead at three. <laughs> and she said, oh. <laughs> she liked that. The drama. Um, anyway. I understand. When I, six, <laughs> when I was six, she put on Easter Parade. And that was, I was transfixed because what was different about Judy to me, what really got my attention with her was she was funny. It wasn't just you know, she's yeah. just as wonderful at the dancing. Like you say, her dancing is often overlooked and she's a brilliant dancer. Obviously, fantastic singer, great voice. And not too sort of, you know, it's more earthy and gutsy, her singing voice. Particularly for those sort of earlier MGM days. You know, mm-hmm. she's the one with swing as opposed to <laughs> opera or whatever. And also really pretty. She's up there with all of the greats. But her added thing for me was that she was funny. And yeah. I was like, oh, she's a bit different doing her, you know, bloop face and um, all of that. She's She laughs at herself. She's willing to look the fool as well as being as amazingly talented as she is. And I was like, oh, Nana, she's great. Who's she? And because my Nana was a fan... She then happily went through all her VHS collection. You know, she was like, well, done if you like this. This is her first film and she was only 12 and it's with Deanna Durbin and it's only 15 oh. minutes long. So she put on every Sunday. And then, you know, every time I came around, she put something else on. You know, I watched 
I could go on singing quite early with her because she had a taped off the TV copy of it. And um, we went through all of that's how I got introduced to her stuff. And then my dad is a musician, so her son, my dad is a psychedelic rock musician. Wild. <laughs> He's got um, his own band, The Bevis Frond, and um, it's so gutting. Like, the only reason him and my mum aren't coming to see me at Carnegie Hall is because my dad's going on tour. So <laughs> my dad's going to be on tour with his band, and it clashes. But, um, yeah, so we, like, I always joke that this is my teenage rebellion. If your dad <laughs> is a psychedelic rock musician, you uh, get into Judy Garland. And <laughs> It's your rebellion. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with this. But anyway, yeah, that's how I got into her. And my grandmother was always very musical. And my dad, so he also collects vinyl, which I do also. And he all his records and CDs and everything were made open to me. You know, if I wanted to listen to anything, I said, oh, what's this? they will go, well, here, listen, have this, have that. And I've always had my own records from when I was very small as well. So, and we'd go record shopping together. So when I liked Judy Garland, I said, oh, I, I like her. Next time we went to Sounds Familiar or whatever second-hand record shop in Romford or wherever I grew up in London, um, I was allowed to go off. He'd let me get some records myself. So, you know, I've, I've always had records and I've been encouraged to, if I like something, seek out, listen to it, deep dive into all of them. And that's, that's what I've done. I mean, I was the only teenager <laughs> when I did well on my GCSEs I got the original soundtrack to the Billy Fury film I've Got a Horse from 1964 as my gift <laughs> and Billy Fury was a British rock and roller who died the year I was born but he's like a Liverpudlian James Dean he's gorgeous but yeah I've always had this quite esoteric uh, eclectic taste in music and stuff just because it's if you like it get it, have a listen. And I've been very lucky in that respect that it's just been encouraged for me to search out whatever I like and get into it, really. Um, and that's sort of where it's come from. But I've been encouraged by my family and allowed to listen to everything and just, yeah, it's sort of come from there, really. Wow. So mm. your voice, like this makes all the sense because I'm like, your voice is so rich and it, like your history with music is so rich just to like hear this, like just how a part of your everyday life. This well, yeah, my was. dad plays guitar every day in the house. <laughs> He's always just playing, noodling away at stuff. And I've always been encouraged to sing, you know, I mean, I've not had any lessons or anything. Um, oh, get out of here. <laughs> get out. Debbie, Debbie, get off this now. What? Yeah. <laughs> I've always Why? just sung. I haven't had oh any singing ever. Get I've out. Just... <laughs> it's in your blood. <laughs> but stay, I just... please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out. Oh. Um, but yeah, I've always just sung and I've just really enjoyed it. I've always just, you know, in the shower, one of my favourite things to sing in the shower, I'm a big fan of Anthony Newley. And I like doing his 10-minute Miss World 1980 medley in the shower. <laughs> we love a medley. <laughs> love a medley. <laughs> yeah. Shampoo gets a song. Soap gets oh, a yeah. song. Oh, yeah. voice. All the steam. Yes. <laughs> the steam feels great. It's the best place. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I've always been encouraged, which is great, obviously, you know. And my dad's – I've had a, like – 
it, I think it colours stuff. I mean, on the album, it was a real collaborative process as to what songs were going to go on it. And there were some from the more rock side of my life that I was trying to get in there that didn't happen. But, you know, I was like, I think Judy could do Bowie. Come on, some David oh. Bowie. But it, yes. didn't, it didn't get past the uh, <laughs> process. I but would be really into cool. that. I like the like attempt. Labyrinth Oz crossover oh, moment. Yes. Labyrinth is one of my absolute favorite films. It's I a new favor of mine. You need to cover it as of the land of stench. <laughs> please, please. I will be looking out for this. <laughs> okay, let me think. Hold on. Uh, your eyes can be so cruel. Just as I can be so cool. Oh, I do believe in you. Live without your sunlight. (laughs) Also, like Judy as the role. (laughs) Judy as the king of goblins. Like, please. Yeah. It works. (laughs) Something about it just works. It does. It works for me. I'm with it. (laughs) I love it. It says. So, I'm Debbie, obsessed. you did go to school for musical theatre, is that correct? It was performing arts. Performing so arts. I went to Salford University, which is in Manchester, um, to do a performing arts degree. And, you know, with the daftness of youth or whatever, I left home at 18, went up north, didn't know anyone, because I thought, I want that uni experience, you know? I want to move far away, never been there before, let's just go for it and it was great I loved it um but being an idiot when you're young I was like well I know how to sing I'm not going to study singing I know how to do that I'm going to do stuff I don't know how to do so I learn more was my thinking I think that's sound actually yeah yeah. I was like so I'm I'm gonna do dance I probably shouldn't have (laughs) (laughs) I am in that respect I am absolutely nothing like Judy I can sort of dance but I'm at zero no um, it's not my forte I have to say um but yeah it was um uh, a modular degree um it was an honors degree so you could choose what bits you wanted to do and then there was lots of essays and stuff like that and um at the final part of my degree it's either a thesis or a show put on a show uh as Mickey <laughs> and Judy might do um and you could do anything you wanted so it could be something that's already something that's already out there, like um, a group of people on my course did an absurdist production of The Importance of Being Earnest, where Miss Prism was played by an orange. Oh, that is um, absurdist. Yes, yes. correct. Right. Right. It got squished at the end of the play. Oh, oh um, my God. <laughs> uh, they got a first. So fair play. Oh, wow, um, out of the I box. thought, what would I like to do? Most. What would I like to do most? Ooh, I'd like to play Judy Garland. That'd be really fun. I could get to sing all those brilliant songs. Ooh. So that was the first time when I was about 20, when I started like really, really researching stuff. Like I'd always, I'd I'd realised I could sing like her when I was about 11 um, because I did it to my grandmother to make her laugh. I was like, hey, Nana, listen to this. And did um, I Love a Piano was the first thing I ever tried singing like yes. Judy. And she said, oh, darling, isn't that good? And she played it because she could play by ear. She's side reading, you know. Beautiful. Um, so I knew I could sing in her voice a bit, but I'd never really done that. 
it was more just as a, a laugh, really. But then when I was thinking, what should I do for my degree? Yes, I'd love to do that. I could choose all the songs I really would just love to sing and I'll find out more about So I read all the biographies. Some of them I think are unnecessarily harsh. Some trash. are great. Yes. Yeah, trash. <laughs> trash. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as a singer, I love Mel Torme, but I really don't like his book. I couldn't read oh, much Mel of Torme's it. book. I do love Mel Torme's voice, though. I'm with you on that. I didn't even know he had one. Okay. Steer oh, clear. It's really mean. They didn't get on. They didn't. No, because he worked on her TV show. He was the musical right. uh, arranger advisor on her TV show, and they had a big falling out. And so he, mm. just after she died, he wrote this particularly uh, mean book, um, which is a shame because yeah. I love him as a singer. Same. Um, some of the records, vinyl records, that I took to university with me, one was Mel Torme sings Fred Astaire, and one was Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall. Um, but anyway, uh, so I decided to write this show about her, like a one-woman show, and I had the uh, head of music from my university play the piano in it. And I wrote this. It was set in 1960 because I'd done a lot of research, and I know that in sort of 1950, 1959, 60, she was told that she'd never sing again because she had uh, right. cirrhosis and hepatitis at the same time. She'd blown up um, to being looking like she was really big, but actually it was mainly fluid um, from her liver and everything. Yeah. And uh, she was in hospital for quite a few months and she got told to never sing again, that's it. And she was in hospital for a few months and then she came to England to recuperate um, and stay with Dirk Bogard, her mate, the actor. And while she was staying at his house, she said she was in the shower and she hadn't sung for about five months, six months, and she tried having a little sing in the shower and she said her voice felt brilliant obviously it's like one of the only times in her life that she had a rest you know and mm -hmm. her voice felt brilliant and she said she wanted to sing so he got her a, a little gig at the London Palladium <laughs> um, <laughs> which she sold out instantly and so they booked her another one like either the next night or the next week and that sold out and those two shows at the London Palladium are what kick-started the tour they started the tour that ended at Carnegie Hall and had that classic recording made. So the play I wrote was about her first rehearsal for this first Palladium show back. So she hasn't sung for ages and she's sort of talking oh. about where she's got to at this point. And you're 20. <laughs> and then we were sort of, it's a rehearsal. So you hear her singing songs oh, just cool. with pianists, which was, Beautiful. you know, a monetary thing as well because I couldn't afford a band or anything. Smart, <laughs> smart, 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 smart idea. Um, so I did this for my degree. And then, so I've been doing sort of, that's where I sort of tried practicing talking like her because I'd never done that before either. And uh, so that, that was when I was about 20, 21. Wow. And I did that for my degree at the small theatre at my university. And then somebody from a sort of smallish gay bar theatre called Taurus in Manchester saw it and said, oh, would you do this at Taurus? Would you like to do that, make it a bit longer? So, yeah, great. So I did it there. I'm still friends with the guys from Taurus as well. I sang at Nashiel, who's one of the barmen, at his wedding last year. Aww, oh, wow. um, Fabulous. This was all when I was like 20, so it's like uh, 18 years ago. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, so I did that. Then I went to Taurus, did it there. Then someone from the Lowry Theatre in Manchester saw it there. 
said, do you want to do it an hour at the studio? I was like, yeah, make it a bit longer. So I wrote a second half, which was her after show party. And <laughs> I did that there. And then I did it a bit in London because it got filmed and we sent it to the wow. King's Head Theatre in Islington, which is a small venue, but a lot of famous people have played there. And I did it for months there. And then I got a, the part of Little Voice in a touring production of Little Voice. Love Little Voice. And I did that for six months. And then after that, I didn't get anything. And I've been trying to be a sort of singer-actress. That was my dream, obviously, in like my early 20s. But, you know, I know my dad's a musician that, but I don't come from like a rich family. I couldn't afford to keep trying it and not getting work. And we understand. I'm a perfume jockey, you know, like Joey and Friends. <laughs> but I had to just, you know, when I was about 25, I had to go, do you know what? I can't do this anymore. I need more money. I've got to get a job. <laughs> um, so we that understand. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, totally and I, I haven't done anything professional singing or acting for like 12 years or something by the, when I was doing these videos on uh, Facebook on lockdown. I haven't done anything for ages. And it was only oh like God. some of my mates who remembered all the Judy stuff I'd done on day three were like, because I did a song a day in the pandemic because I was right. like, Yes. That might be nice for people who are by themselves. I wouldn't have done it otherwise because I would have thought it was embarrassing, you know. Listen to me singing. Oh, this is a video of me. I wouldn't have done that. I would have thought it was embarrassing. But um, I was like, oh, pff, we're all on lockdown, whatever. Why not? I'll sing a song every day during lockdown because I didn't know how long it would be, obviously. Um, right. And some of my mates phoned me. Are you going to do Judy? Go on, do some Judy. So I was like, oh, I'll get my old wig out of the cupboard. <laughs> that I got from the Afro-Caribbean hair shop down the market for £18. Found it. You know, Your yeah. wig collection is astounding. Yeah, Your props and wigs. Incredible. I was like, what is she, a costume department? Like, you are yeah. a community theatre of props. <laughs> we well, want to know nice about this now. <laughs> They were a bit crap when I was doing my own video. Oh, my God. It was, it was like the sort of old wartime thing of make, do, and mend, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. how can I make a big bow for the boy next door? Huh, I haven't got any white material. I know. I made it out of toilet paper. Good for oh you. Oh, my God. No way. No, toilet paper and sellotape. It looks so good. My white big bow for the boy next We'll never know. You fooled us. <laughs> looked amazing. Yeah. And um, when I did Get Happy, the pink scarf, I didn't have a pink scarf, nappy bags or diaper bags. Whoa, so creative. See, this is like the brilliance of the pandemic is that we took like, it became Beauty and the Beast, right? We're like, come here, Candelabra, <laughs> Lumiere, like you're now my scene partner. Like we just grab stuff around to be like, okay, Let's you have to work. come alive, come to life, which is actually very Aussie because that's so much of like L. Frank Baum's Oz world is like weird objects having life. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened in the pandemic with a lot of people who need art to fuel their happiness and to let yeah. loose, release, express. And I, your song a day, I mean, I fell in love with you when I saw your happy harvest. I was like, what is she doing <laughs> with her so little cute. girl, your little daughter, Sadie? She's what a so star. Sweet. So cute. It's so perfect. And like, I feel like we're just getting to glimpse into like a backyard day with you. It's just so, mm-hmm. it's, you're not putting on a show. You're just being honest, which is so yeah, great. I 
I don't think you can sort of put on a show, particularly in lockdown on your phone. People tried. It was it was for my friends anyway. I mean, I didn't. I had no clue that it would take off like it did. That it would lead to anything. I mean, obviously, I'm overjoyed it has, but it it wasn't. I think possibly that's why it went well because people can tell that you're not doing it as a sort of look at me I'm so you you know it's never just a sort of nice fun thing to do and cheer people up that was Mm. literally the only motivation really behind it and I think people can tell that you know you can tell it's genuine I'm not using some I'm not using any microphone it's literally just my phone um love it I, I thought that was quite important you know there's no trickery there's no anything you know it's just having fun yeah yeah. It's so great. And mm. like when I watched your cabaret, your green fingernails, I was like, get out of here. Like there's a little Sally Bowles detailing. Like it's just like so you sweet, like little things you would do too to just like pay homage to these like characters and great performers. Mm. It's just that I think like that Em and I have talked a lot on here about like nostalgia, especially in this time being like mm. medicine. Yeah. Like while we got through some really rough times that like, you know, necessarily, and we didn't want to have to think about our day escaping to the things of our childhood, all of that kind of stuff was so Absolutely. important and still is, it always is, but really yeah. took like a front seat in that like March, 2020, April, 2020 timeframe. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that it was your friends too, who were like, Hey, we remember your Judy impression. Can you bring that back? Like, Gosh, I love that. Gosh. That's sort of how this all started as well. But yeah, who are was. some of your other, as we mentioned, like your, your dame DNA, uh, who are the other dames that you've enjoyed stepping oh, into the shoes? So many. I mean, it, it, like I say, cause I come from like a wide ranging musical background. There are quite a wide range, but you know, you say Dame, and that instantly makes me think of Dame Shirley Bassey. Yeah, um, <laughs> I love Shirley. And my mum is from Cardiff, so my mum <laughs> is from the same place as Shirley Bassey. I mean, my mum's from Splot. Whoops, Splot in Cardiff. Good name, huh? Splot. And so uh, Shirley's from Tiger Bay, so they're different parts of Cardiff, but it's still Cardiff. And oh god, I can't remember who it is. I keep getting it wrong, and my mum tells me off. But one of our relatives worked in a porcelain factory with Shirley Bassey in, I think, the late 40s, early 50s. In a porcelain factory with Shirley Bassey? (laughs) That's someone's story. Excuse me? (laughs) We were at an event recently for Judy Garland's 100th, and we met someone whose dad took Shirley Temple to prom. We were like, what? Whoa, I mean, someone, what? someone, someone did. did it, so you know, it's his dad. Wow. <laughs> that is, that That's is cool. this person. It's fun to like so, hear about these people you idolize just being normal humans. You know I what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Shirley Bassey, um, Janice Joplin is one of my absolute faves. I love Janice Joplin. Mm, Janice, I always have from when I was really little, and my dad has always loved Country Joe and the Fish. So when he was a teenager growing up in London and going to gigs and stuff, he loved Country Joe and the Fish. They were one of his favourite bands. And Country Joe dated Janice. And there's a song called Janice by Country Joe and the Fish on one of their albums in the late 60s or early 70s. And um, my dad played with Country Joe in the 90s. And he came around our house when I was about 13. And I said to Joe, Joe, uh, what was Janice like? And he said, well, with Janice, there was a lot of patchouli. 
and that was it. The smell. <laughs> the smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, patchouli oil. She wore patchouli oil. All right. I don't um, mind patchouli. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been yeah, fine with her. Yeah. Um, who else do I love? There's so many. Obviously, Judy. Um, Sandy Denny. If you, she's a British folk singer from the 60s. And her voice is stunning. The most pure, mm, clear voice I know, you've ever too. heard. Look her up. She died. I mean, they all, bloody, all, all my heroes are dead. But they are. <laughs> she died when she was, I think, 30, falling down the stairs. Oh, my God. Oh, um, no way. She was in oh. Fairport Convention. She also sings on Led Zeppelin album. Um, anyway, oh. she's got an absolutely stunning voice. Wow. I love Dutch Day. Julie London. I've always loved Julie London. Marilyn. I'm a big Marilyn Monroe fan. Yeah, um, yeah. Jane Mansfield. I know she's not a singer, but stylistically, <laughs> I saw I the girl that. can't help it and was like, wow, <laughs> I want to look like that. <laughs> I've tried bleaching my hair. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. It went to like chewing gum. I don't know if you've had those adventures with bleach where you're like, why is my hair mm. stretchy? Oh, mm-hmm. I've just had my hair turn green after a swim. I've had that happen. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's always fun too. <laughs> yeah, um, when you try going back brown afterwards and then you're oh, like, it's green. It's a process. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm probably process. missing some other amazing peeps, but at the minute, my mind is, you know. I mean, these I are amazing love peeps. This. Do you know Laura Nero? Do you know Laura Nero's oh, work? Yeah, yeah. Nairo, Nairo Nero. I love her. She's one of my faves to listen to, mm. like folk-wise and like Joni Mitchell kind of oh, sound. Oh, yeah, too. that's Joni. I'm in the Hotel Chelsea. I woke up, oh. it was the Chelsea morning. Yeah. There we go. Joni <laughs> <Only> forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of technique goes into – like impersonating different people, but in particular, Judy. I mean, we are awestruck yeah. by your sense of her vibrato. Yeah. And you got to like, teach us. Like, maybe you can give us a mini lesson. Yeah, <laughs> like, we'll, how we're here. Do you, what kind of research goes into actually executing it safely? I mean, to, I mean, the best research really is just being a massive fan. Yeah. And having years mm-hmm. and years and years of just listening to her. Yeah. Really. That's the yeah. main one. Thanks, of, you know. Listening to her out for pleasure and hours of just loving it. Um, I luckily naturally have roughly the same range as her, which is very yeah. lovely. Um, I do have a vibrato, but obviously I amp it up when I'm trying to sound like her. But it's not a very forced. I think you've got to be very careful not to sound have that forced vibrato sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I do something with the back of my throat and I can't really explain what it is. Sure, but yeah, when I yeah. sing as myself, I don't really sound like Judy, I don't think. And it's something, I just feel it in the back of my throat. It's like closing a bit off. I don't know. It's a fairy. I don't really know. Mm. Judy. <laughs> yeah, there's a fairy back there. <laughs> it's and a there's vowel sounds. There's vowel yes. sounds as well. Like the way she says like A, so like day and stuff like that. Um, she has a very particular pronunciation of those vowels. The shadows. So like, you might go like, day, she, day. Yes. It's like, mm. Yeah, there you go. It's, yep. I think it's just stuff from being a fan that you hear. I mean, it helps. I'm good at doing accents and stuff like that. And apparently it's, you know, it's all linked. It's, it's helpful 
for you to be able to hear yourself. Because I'm constantly, while I'm singing, trying to sing as her, I'm listening to myself. Does that sound like her? Do it. You know, as well as concentrating on the song and the emotion of the song and the acting of the song of what you're trying to express, I'm also thinking, does that sound like her? Are you sounding like her? Did you, you know, it's all it's all going on while you're singing it. It's not, obviously, it's much easier and freer to sing as yourself because you're not thinking all the time, Do, am I sound? It has been Right, right. You know? You're ear and your mouth have a really good relationship though. Like that's amazing that you're able to hear it and able to have like it. The, the emulation is so magical. Like it really is magical. Like you are conjuring. You're not, I don't even say you're an impersonator. Like it's conjuring. I wouldn't describe myself as an impersonator. Yeah. I wouldn't. Um, I would describe myself as a singer who's lucky, uh, who can do a sort of, who happens to be able to do a good Judy sound. If yeah. I try. Yeah. Whose spirit has embodied you a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super <laughs> cool. Can um, you that. give us a quick, like, could we try a vowel? Try it on <laughs> us. Let's see if we can try yeah. it. All right. We're game. So, um, uh, okay. Do you know the song Lucky Day? Ish. Yes. Uh, oh boy, I'm lucky. I'll say I'm lucky. This is my lucky day. Yes. So yes. It's that. Like, it's yeah. I almost close off a backish bit of my throat. Um, you've got die. to enunciate. Yes, Em. Yeah. The fairy. Judy fairy is back. Yeah. And yeah. also, uh, what I love again is that she enunciates. You hear everything she yeah. says. You know, I mean, Frank Sinatra is one of my favorite singers as well. Fifties yeah. capital Frank. <sighs> yeah, flowers. Mm. Brilliant. You know, I love him, and I think I learned. I mean, I like I, I just my singing style evolved. I think from just listening to fantastic singers, the Beatles. I love the Beatles, mm-hmm. and I love the sort of rasp in John Lennon's voice that sometimes Judy has a little catch in her voice as well where there's a little break and that that's something that you know the little little stems but it is it's when you've got you feel like you can hear that bit of emotion tension um, yeah enunciation and acting you know my grandmother always used to say darling it's you're acting the song. You have to believe in the emotions of what you're singing. You know, it's it's not you're not just singing the song. This is the melody and these are the words. You've got to think about what the words are and you're trying to convey that. Yeah. Um, also, I was told by someone, and this is it's just a little tip, and it's very true. When you're singing or like warming your voice up, if you're finding it a bit difficult, put a cry in your voice like you're upset, like a like you're a sad puppy and that really helps with um, <laughs> smoothness love it and, and oh, notes. I love something that. I've heard but like I say I haven't had training so I, I don't know I'm just we're making you break it down oh. for us <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm trying I don't really know I got... I'm so struck by even magic how you just said like this like how wh- where is the where does the the word this be sung and what you just said with lucky day like a like it's so beautiful yeah. like a the simple way you word stretch it yeah yes. that's, what, that's what I love about I mean uh, of so many things but what 
I love about Judy's voice is like the crescendos and the day crescendos. And I think it's so attached to the emotion and the storytelling of the words too. And I feel like you do that so well. It's paintbrush. And that is just so Judy to me. They're like, this is my love. You know, oh, I love it. I'm very lucky with that. I have naturally when I sing as myself, uh, it's weird. It's like your voice opens up and it goes like super loud or supercharged at some bits just it just does that it's like driving an automatic car when it goes into gear or something it just happens and it it's something that happens with Judy you know she said something that really struck a chord with me when she said uh I'm paraphrasing but when she says like there's no greater joy than really uh singing it out over the front lights and belting it out um it's something to that effect I was like, yes, yeah, I know what you mean. When you have a really good big sing and it all comes out and you're not <laughs> forcing it, but it's just like, wow, it's such a mood elevator. Because, you know, when I was doing the song yes. a day, initially I did it for other people, but it was for me as well. It made yes. me feel so much better. You know, you're a bit down or whatever, and you might think, oh, I can't be asked doing a video today or whatever, and you do it because I've said I'm going to do it, so I do it. Afterwards, you feel great. You know, you have a good big old sing and it really cheers you up. It's such a mood element. And it was so nice for me as well. Like, uh, you're not big Facebookers. I mean, I'm not a huge Instagrammer, I think, because I'm old. But um, I'm not that old, by the way. No, you're not old. (laughs) But but, um, Instagram also, you can't put a whole song on, can you? That was why I wasn't. So uh, you can it's well, like they, they recently now. changed it you can yeah. do videos you can do like they have different options reels are shorter but like the video you can have at any length oh okay i think that's oh, well, new I'll have yeah to go into this newer more. but um i've completely forgotten what i was gonna say oh yeah but it's just been really lovely for me making loads of new friends and stuff i know that sounds yeah. iffy but it's true there's people genuinely i've become proper friends with yeah from yeah. just commenting on my videos or just saying oh, i really like what you're doing blah, blah, blah. and we've got chatting and it's it's really lovely you know like i wouldn't have met you guys if i hadn't done this right. Right. and it's you know we re- i don't think i'm fooling myself but we're really getting on i'd love to go out for a cocktail do you know what <laughs> no, i mean anytime. i think we're besties yeah, <laughs> yeah you know you talk with people and you think this is cool i wouldn't have met you and i think we get on and it's really nice yeah like um I've I've made friends like proper friends I've met up with and we've gone out um a lovely guy called Ty Jeffries who uh performs as Miss Hope Springs and he's a songwriter and performer and we've become proper good mates and he's lovely he's the son of Lionel Jeffries you know who's in Chitty Band Dancer wow and um He's an absolutely lovely guy, and I wouldn't have met him otherwise. And I've, there's a lovely nurse in Pittsburgh, Bobby, and we've become mates. And I had a terrible ear infection over lockdown and couldn't see a doctor. And I was in so much pain I couldn't sleep. And I was awake, not wanting to wake up my husband and daughter. So I was downstairs in the living room in immense pain at 3 a.m. UK time. And he messaged me, and he was awake because of the time difference. And I spoke to, and he spoke me through at 3 a.m. I'm dying in agony. So, okay, honey, what have your doctors recommended for you to get? No, that's wrong. They shouldn't give you the drugs. And he was talking me through everything. I was like, oh, oh, thanks. 
so much. And he sat talking to me for about an hour or two when everyone else was asleep and I was in agony. And it's only through Facebook and me putting these Mm. videos up. And it's like, bloody lifesaver, man, because I was just like, (laughs) and they'd actually prescribed me the wrong thing. And he's like, you shouldn't be having that. That's going to make you worse. This is when the internet is magic. Yeah. It's been so nice. You know, and people slag the internet off, internet, internet off a lot. To be fair, I've hardly you get a few nasty things. You always do, yes. That's to be expected, isn't it? You know, yes, yes. And I'm not going to say I ignore. I'm not one of these who goes, oh well, no. Obviously, I'm obsessing over the horrible. Ones. <laughs> well, got it. We understand. Hard not to. You know, there's it's hard not to. One horrible one, and you're like, of course. But it stays there. That's, I think, what it is. It's not like it like flies away. Like that comment <laughs> stays there. So you're like, just oh, staring at I you. Know. She's you too stand. fat to be Judy Garland. Get out! No, no. Set me on them, Debbie. Next okay. time you put we're me gonna on go them. find them. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. I tell you what irritated me. I was like, well, that's factually incorrect. Actually, it depends which era Judy Garland's I've been. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She went up and down. Yes. If I'm trying to be All Easter Parade, fair enough. But yeah. if I'm trying to be 1960 Judy Garland, I think I'm about right. So, <laughs> <laughs> even like factually, this is yeah, ridiculous. even factually, not correct. excuse me. If you're going to slap me off, get it right. Yeah, dumb. Yeah, those people can get out. Also, like, yeah, oh. that's the that's the the worst part of the internet. But if you have like you're saying, like you're like, okay, that's that that's not the part that matters. It's the part that yeah. you have a nurse on the phone with you at yeah, 3 a.m. that you wouldn't know elsewhere. That is yeah. so beautiful. Okay, now to get into like where we're at now with this mm. Carnegie Hall debut, this tour, the music. So what was the turning point with the um Song a Day lockdown project? Like when did something like really yeah. shift where we know you like blew up in friends and followers and all of that mm-hmm. started? But what were the like the major key players? How did that all start happening? Well, it's all down to a lovely gentleman called Scott Stander. We know him. So- We've been in his emails. <laughs> He's, I've been so, so lucky to be contacted by him. Scott, um, get it. I was contacted by a couple of agency type people, but it was all, as they used to say in my school, they was chatting fraff. Which means talking rubbish. <laughs> it was chatting fraff, right? I love that. Wah, wah. <laughs> We're gonna use that. Um, also, your yeah. school must be so proud of you. Like the fact that you did a Judy piece there, and now, like, I can't even yeah, imagine. Yeah, what? That's cool. Not really. I haven't heard. Oh from well. <laughs> <laughs> that really. feels right. <laughs> haven't gotten a card. No flowers. Okay. No, well, they no. should be. <laughs> Don't even come and see the bloody performance. <gasps> no. How dare? No, yeah. Not bothered. Scott. That was where it changed completely. Scott Stander. So it was early-ish. It was the summer of 2020. Yeah. He contacted me and was like, I've seen your some of your videos. I think they're great. Do you want to have a chat? So I was like, yeah, yes. all right. Great. Talking to someone in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, just talking to someone on the phone from Hollywood is amazing. Um, so we had a chat. We had about an hour's talk. It was really nice. I obviously did some Google stalking and was like, oh, he represents Mitzi Gaynor. <laughs> yes. yes, Mitzi. Yes, Mitzi. <laughs> Mitzi Gaynor, George oh Shakiris, Rita Moreno, oh, Julie Newmar. Yes. I mean, you know, uh, Seven Brothers Seven Brothers is one of my favourite films ever. And I was like, it's Dorcas. He represents <laughs> Dorcas. 
in Seven Brides. All oh your God. heroes who are alive. Yeah, some wild. still are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so we had a nice chat, but obviously it was full deep on lockdown, so nothing was happening, you know. So it was just the chat, and that was cool. And um, I, I look cross-eyed. I am cross-eyed, by the way. When I get tired, it goes right in the middle. Anyway. <laughs> Someone took some photographs of me singing on stage. If I don't concentrate, it will go in the middle. And someone <laughs> took photos of me years ago singing with a band, and he put them online. And I was fully cross-eyed in them. I was like, why have you put these up? They're awful. And he said, oh, I thought you were doing it to be funny. <laughs> no, I wasn't. That's Aww. just me gone completely Siamese cattish. Please take them down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Please. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so then Scott phoned me back a few months later. We had another lovely chat. He's like saying, you know, what would you like to do? Blah, blah, blah. Just talking. And then about a year after that, I heard from him again. He was saying that I'd like to maybe get you out to LA to sort of maybe, because obviously he hadn't heard me do anything live. You know, as much as I make these videos with no trickery and no whatever, I guess people can't be sure. It's only one song long. You right. don't know if I could do many in a row or or whatever. Right. So he was saying, maybe, you know, I'll fly you out to L.A. so we can meet. And I was thinking, yeah, whatever. Psst. Won't happen. <sighs> he bloody did. So he flew me out to L.A. to, like, meet up and that. And I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So that was January this year. Wow. Um, wow. Just to, to meet him. So, you know, just went over as a tourist, you know, to just say hello. And he was really lovely, really nice guy, luckily, because, you know, I'm a smallish woman traveling by myself, 11 hours on a plane going down. I was like, okay. Yep. Lots right. of trust. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. He's an absolutely lovely guy and he's put so much faith and trust in me. Like he, I know it sounds very gushy or whatever, but he believes in what I do mm -hmm. and he's really just put himself behind me and gone, right, let's do this. And he's done it properly. It really, I mean, I'm in the Chelsea Hotel. Hello. Like, yeah. um, Good work, Scott. We met up. We really got on. Um, he took me to meet Michael Orland, who's the pianist and musical arranger for America's Got Talent for oh, years. Cool. And we did a just session in Michael Orland's house of me singing and him playing piano and coming up with a few ideas of maybe songs because he'd seen what he'd seen was me doing videos in my car and my house of songs that Judy hadn't done as Judy. I think that's what interested him, which is the basis of the album. Because I'd started doing that at home just as a sort of fun thing to do, you know, and thought, oh, that might be a bit interesting. And he liked that. And he was like, right, well, let's see what you like at the piano. And then they got a little scratch, a little, a little sort of scratch band together just to do a, a play, a rehearsal. <laughs> he was like, maybe let's film it. We can maybe make a show reel, maybe, I don't know. And we went to Catalina's Bar and Grill on Sunset Boulevard. It's my Norma Desmond face. And, um, <laughs> yes. We did, 
it ended up being I had to do each song twice because they wanted it from different angles or whatever. So I did 16 performances of songs in a row in two hours because they only had the cameras for that long. We only had the space for that long. Boom, 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 boom. And they were happy with it. And they were like, you knew this was a test, right? This was a test to see if you could do it. Wow. And you can do it. <laughs> I was like, okay, do <laughs> brilliant. All right. Yes. Um, and he took me to see Judy's grave when I went oh. out that time, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. Beautiful. Like it's really, beautiful. really touching. Yeah, because I, yeah. I'd been on holiday to LA with my parents and my husband about six years ago before I had my daughter, and I went to Hollywood forever, but she wasn't there at that point. She right. was still in New York, right. and I had been to New York when I was eighteen, and I hadn't gone there at that point and so I I felt like I'd missed her when they moved I was like oh for only a year later (laughs) so going to see her there was really really special and then Scott was just really cool and while I was out there I mentioned I just said oh yeah I think it'd be nice to do an album I was just musing I wasn't saying let's do this I'd just say yeah (laughs) in the future that'd be really cool he got on it he was like right Let's do an album then. And he has been amazing. He was Mm. just like, right, I've booked this studio, 30-piece orchestra. My gosh. There was literally a 30-piece orchestra. It sounds incredible. In the room, all together. we got Steve Mm. Orich, who orchestrated Jersey Boys. So he's a Grammy Award-winning orchestrator. He was conducting and did all the orchestrations for the album. But it was really collaborative because there were certain things – I feel really lucky that they've listened to me because I don't actually read music, but I know what I want. I know my stuff and they've really taken that on and, and listened to me, which is amazing. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you think, you know, a youngish woman in, you know, with a lot of high profile older guys, they've been amazing. You know, I said Good. it was my idea in Defying Gravity to have the come rain and shine bongos. That is my favorite thing mm. in the world. That, that, that was me. That, um, that is chills. It's chills everywhere. Because I was like, that's how it would work. Because it was my idea to do the Defying Gravity. That was one of my ones. Because I was like, you know, Oz, it all links. It you all know? links. And I was like, it would work. Because I was like, oh, how would that work? And I was like, if you had the bongos, just... <laughs> Oh, and like so the good. demo we did. So like for me to express my idea, because I was like, look, look, I've got this idea. And they was like, I can't quite get it. My husband plays drums. He's a computer programmer, but he plays drums. I had yeah. him, I recorded him on my phone going, doing the bongo rhythm. On yes, his husband. Knee. I recorded it for like four minutes. He said, on his knee. And then we sent that over to Ron Abel, who's doing, um, he's the musical director on the tour and playing piano with me. He did some of the sort of musical ideas for um, the arrangements and stuff as well on the album. So I sent it to him going, look, it's this sort of thing. <laughs> like, this is how it was worked out. Me on my phone in my kitchen, they'd suggest a song. Like, what about Beauty and the Beast wasn't my idea. That was uh, Scott's idea. I think it actually came from his wife, Rita. She suggested Beauty and the Beast. So they'd send me over a bunch of songs. I'd think about it, have a listen to them. And then I'd sing little snatches of me being Judy a cappella, singing them as I would do it. And any ideas I had for 
you could make it sound like the you know make more swinging or, or whatever i'd sing it down the phone send it to him steve orich and ron abel and they go oh we like the sound of that one not sure about that one could you try this and that's how it was all worked out really um I also asked, there's a, a Facebook group called the Judy Garland Experience, yeah. which is where I first shared uh, what, my first Judy Garland singing Summer Day thing on. And I asked them, like two years ago now, a year and a half ago, what songs would you like me to do as oh, Judy cool. that you could do? The and I had like <laughs> something replies. So when we were doing the album, I went and found that thread took photos, I think there ended up being 25 ah, screenshots of wow. all the answers that I had because oh. I was like, well, you know, these are the people that are going to be listening, yeah. that are going to buy awesome. it, hopefully. Give the people what they want, then go get a hamburger. You know, you, <laughs> I I thought, well, what is the most requested on here? What, what do I like the sound of? Maybe they've thought of something that I haven't thought of that I'd be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, try that. So... It all happened like that, and Scott has just been amazing. And he was like, right, we're going to go on tour. I've booked this up, blah, blah, blah. And when he phoned me, you know, I'm doing the nursery pickup because my daughter still isn't at school yet. She's little. Um, he said, right, I've got you uh, the, the venue for your New York date. I was like, oh, really? Okay, where's it? Yeah, you're going to do Carnegie Hall. Fuck off. Really loudly down. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. Sorry, sorry. What? <laughs> oh my God. That is unreal. You just it. said fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All these. <laughs> That's amazing. We can bleep this. This is recorded, right? <laughs> fi- we, we are I fine mean, to have curse words if you're fine. We, with love, it. A, we love an occasional yeah. curse. <laughs> yeah, we Judy love Wood. an occasional curse. It gives, it packs a punch like Judy would. When Judy swore, yeah. it was with purpose. <laughs> yeah. God bless people like Scott who are like, I see you. I'm going to make, like, I can pull some strings on my end and make this happen. Like, yes. this he's is been such a wild you know, story. He's put a lot of faith yeah. in me because, you know, he doesn't, he didn't really know me, but we've met up now with, you know, he's just been really, really great. You know, he's, he's just backed me and gone, okay, let's do this. Let's try yeah. it. And oh, wow. I mean, how amazing is that? He's From like, two years ago, right. being in, I mean, how many months ago being in my house next to my washing machine, <laughs> like a little bit. So here we and are. I'm in New York now. Like, what the hey? We were driving into the city and I was like, just going. <laughs> it's meant to be, Debbie. Yeah, this is all. It's this is the exact story, though, that like I think both of us love to celebrate because, like, yeah. I mean, I think we're fed often societally. Like, you hit it when you're 20, and then that's it. Then it's like, but like, what happens after that? If like, that's not your time, like, do we just not celebrate anymore? And like, you are such an example of like, when you hit closed doors earlier on in your life for this to be a career or whatnot, you were like, my love is still alive, though. My the door is not closed on my love of this. Some people close the doors on their love of it. And I think this is a testament to not do that. Don't let other people tell you to stop loving something or stop, stop your love of something just because there's not an opportunity at this specific time. You know? Yeah. And I mean, if you love it, 
I reckon you should keep doing it anyway. Live it. Yeah, you know? live it. like my, it's very similar to my dad actually, really similar. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not funny about. It. I'm 38. We're right behind I, you. <laughs> I'm Prime time. I'm not bothered about that. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy where I am. Yes. It's, it's almost better. It's happened now, to be honest. I love because it. I've, I'm settled. I've got my Ugh. head screwed on. I'm happily married. I've got a lovely daughter. Yeah, she's a star. Who knows what she is? She's a star. <laughs> Who knows what would have happened if, you know, there's no point thinking of ifs. You know, it's, right. it's happened it's happened. It's happening it's now, nice. yeah. I've, I'm really happy in my life anyway. It's not like I'm you so, know. oh, it's got to work if this doesn't happen. Oh. Debbie, yeah, that is like it's, it's all right. oh, that's the definition of success to me. Is like yeah. I'm already happy in my life. I have this thing I love to do, and now I just so happen to be on a stage doing it, getting paid to do it, and it's just adding value to it's your life. Brilliant. That's success. Who knows, Congrats! Who knows what's happen? <laughs> Congrats! You did it. You did it. This might happen, and then nothing. And if that's the case, it doesn't matter because at least I've got to do this. I'm just trying to enjoy. Mm. everything yes. that's happening and just trying to keep it in there and just be like okay great great if it finishes tomorrow well then it does and I've had this wonderful experience hopefully it won't but you know I'm just trying to enjoy everything and just be like well hey isn't this nice but also <laughs> yeah don't be like oh if it doesn't happen to me when I'm 21 then that's it right you know it's in in you know in a sort of body age positive yes on everyone well, you know hey I'm a 38 year old mum I love it and it this is great I can't honestly I can't believe it it was really unexpected but really great and I think we if I was like 21 or something I might have been like I'm on a plane you get free champagne on a plane blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm not like that now I'm like no 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 honestly the air hostess was so the one from London was really it was 10 a.m. I was on the flight at 10 a.m. You can have a wine. She's pushing that champagne. No, thanks. I'll just have a coffee. It's 10 a.m. You can have a wine. No, it's 10. I don't want some wine. I'll come back to you. You can have a bit of beer. Oh, my no, God. it's 10 in the morning. I don't want it, thank you. I'm all right. That's hilarious. She's, like, obsessed. You want a drink now? No, what if I was a recovering alcoholic? You're like, no. right, right. Please oh, leave right. me alone. Respect God. my boundaries, please. Yeah. Yeah. Thank Respect you. my Thank boundaries. You. Coffee is phenomenal. I'll take cream and sugar. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not, so it's fine. But um, yeah, but I, I like that it's happened now because it's like, well, wow, I'm a bit more sensible now. Um, yeah, I've come. It's also, how nice is this of Scott? He's brought John and Sadie out. For, for this so look on my bed there's her toys oh. that's so precious <laughs> I was gonna say like what a silver lining gift that your daughter gets to like watch you live yeah. a dream too that's yeah amazing she's not bothered <laughs> that's she's what like, I uh-huh. love I'm in New York it's fine like that cabaret <laughs> video with you like hitting these spectacular high notes she like goes to the bathroom I was like, yes, correct. <laughs> She's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. 
She's like, just she get it, mom. It's Keep so doing great. Your thing, but <laughs> kids are the best kind of humbling because that that just cracks me up. I work with yeah. kids all, all the time, so they just yeah. crack me up on the daily with that kind of thing. I love that. Was, um, she came. They came to the show in Orlando <clears throat> two days ago. God, you've been she everywhere. Went, she lasted two songs. That's, That's pretty good. Fast asleep. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Okay. So what do we have to expect for tomorrow night for Carnegie Hall? Like, are we so getting excited. a mixture of your album? You, you could just like give us some hints of what's going to be happening. That's exactly it. It's a mix. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so you're getting some from the album and some classic Judy and some not as much performed Judy as well. So it's awesome. I'd say it's, I don't know, is it about 50, 50 or 60, 40 of, Judy Garland actual songs and then stuff off the new album. Um, because I think initially Scott and that were like, oh, yeah, yeah, new album, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. Don't do too much of it because it's like those people when you go and see a gig and they're like, this is another one of the new album. Mm. Do the hits. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> right. I'm, <laughs> as a gig goer, I know. I was like, look, there'll be people coming who just like Judy Garland who don't know who the f- I am. You know, and if they come along, they go, well, she didn't do that. She didn't do that. What's this? You want to do enough actual Judy stuff as well because you don't want to do loads of Judy stuff recorded on an album because if you're going to listen to actual Judy Garland songs, listen to Judy Garland. She's the bloody best, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no point me doing it on an album. So an album is all new stuff except for the one song because that doesn't exist recorded otherwise. So that is something new and something a bit interesting and different and you know a reason to listen to me doing it it's so good she didn't do it but for her own songs there's no point in recording those because she exists recording you're so smart but on Mm -hmm. live you want to have you know i never got to see her live there's a lot of people didn't get to see her live so you want to hear those things live yeah to be like yay i love this one but we're also doing a bunch of stuff from the new album um, because, you know, it, it's, it's something to hear. And I, so the arrangements are so, so it's good. so masterful. Like even the fact that it starts with It's Today. I mean, the album is called We Haven't Spoken This Yet. I'm Still Here, Judy Garland's 100th Birthday. And I mean, that song is also like, yeah, Judy will never go away. I think we have proven she stands for so much still. She still, I think, is a gay icon. She's still one of the greatest entertainers mm-hmm. to ever be around. Like we absolutely she's like, I almost envision her as like the Columbia picture like lady. <laughs> like she's she not going is anywhere. That. She's not going anywhere. She has a torch in her hand forever. And yeah. like the fact that it starts with it's today from Mame, because we all have heard the stories of how she wanted to play Mame. He wrote it with her in mind. Yes. And like to hear you do that is just like, oh, this is like a would have. And like, of course, she probably would have covered the Beatles if she lived a little bit longer. Like, well, um, Scott was like, we should do some Beatles. Yeah, I love the Beatles. So I went through a few different, like, what ones would she have done? I wonder. And then it was Scott had the idea of putting them together. Oh, yeah, like a medley, brilliant. I chose which ones, and I'd forgotten. It must have been a subconscious thing, because initially I'd forgotten that I'd been told this, and then I got reminded of it recently. There's a gentleman called Larry Russell, who shares a birthday with um, Judy, and he lives in New York. Larry Russell um, was in a band in the 60s as a teenager, 
And he was Lorna Loft's first boyfriend <gasps> when she was 15 and he was 17. Oh. And he contacted me through Facebook and said, do you know what? You really sound like Judy. I know because I knew her. Phone me. So I was like, all right, hello. And we've had some lovely chats, this guy, Larry. And in 1967, he got to know Judy because he was dating Lorna. And he went around their apartment in New York. And he said that she actually sang Got to Get You Into My Life to him in her apartment, sat on a love seat. So she never recorded it or anything, but she sang she it knew. to him in person. Oh, wow. That's magic. So she had sung the song um, herself, just for fun. Oh, yeah. Judy singing and just for fun is like a treat to play yeah. in my imagination. Yeah, that sounds... And, well, you know, when I sing for fun, I sing for fun all the time. You know, I say I didn't do anything professionally for 12, 13 years. I've always sung. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm always singing, you know. Yeah. But just for the fun of it. But... um. Also, he told me this one great story about well, he was 17 and his friend had two great dames and said, oh, I'm going out of town for the weekend. Can you look after my dogs? And he said, yeah, okay. And he took these two great dames in a cab. He said he lived across the bridge or whatever. He was going back to his apartment and his mum said, you're not bringing them in here. I'm not having dogs in my house. No. And he was like, oh, I've got these two massive dogs. What am I going to do? My mum won't let me... And he found his girlfriend, he found Lorna. And he was saying to Lorna on the phone, oh, God, my mum won't let me keep the dogs in our house. And I told my friend I'd look after the weekend. I don't know what I'm going to do because he's gone. And blah, blah, blah. Lorna says, hold on, I'll get mum. <laughs> Judy comes on the phone. Here's the problem. Says, can I talk to your mother? He put his mum on. So Judy and his mum are talking. And his mum's steadfast. She's like, even though I like Judy Garland, I'm not having those dogs in my garden. No. So they put Larry back on with Judy and she said, all right, get in a cab, bring them over to ours. I'll look after them for the weekend. She paid for his cab. He went back into the city. Dog sitter, Judy. Dog sitter, Rover.com. Of Larry's mates for the weekend. And they were sick in the cab and everything. They puked. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That's she a took bill. them in. She was on the floor with That's them, hugging them, everything. And when he told me that story, I was like, "There she is. That's it. <sighs> that that's what you want to hear about your idol. Yes. You know, that's the kind of girl she was. Yeah, I'll look after some teenage boys' mates. Two great days. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, very removed. I live for these stories. Yeah, I'm sure you've been I'm getting a ton of these stories from like the UK fans too, because the UK fandom yeah. is huge for yeah weirdly i haven't had as much Um, really okay yeah yeah it's been more people in new york particularly who seem to have latched on to my videos and stuff like that obviously there's a fair amount in the uk but it's more american people have really enjoyed what i've been doing which is lovely um well we can attest for the the whole country that we agree with we represent (laughs) (laughs) Um, you got to ask our favorite question. Yeah, we usually end uh, with guests by asking one very special question. Do you own any pair of ruby slippers or have like a red shoe or a shoe that you would say represent what the ruby slippers might 
might represent. Uh oh, she said Ooh, pause. And she has left. She is the Hollywood Square <laughs> to her Chelsea Hotel. <laughs> I'm very excited. Suspense. Oh, yes, she has the little the little footies, the little slippers. The ruby those are slipper, great. Actually, like those. bedroom slippers, little yeah. slippers. <laughs> we those have those. Everything. Too. I know. I was like, where are mine? So cute. Those are so fun. Oh, they're adorable. Amazing. Maybe they'll make a Carnegie Hall appearance. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'll go with Mary Christie. <laughs> that would be a choice. Yeah. That would be a choice. Strong choice. Strong choice. Well, Debbie, you are officially, we have something called the Slipperhood, which is our community of people we get connected to because of the world of Oz. And mostly because we all choose to kind of walk in, like walk our own yellow brick roads, right? Or like have our own different yellow brick roads. And we really relish in that crossroads. We're so happy we got to relish in our crossroad today. And we cannot wait to see you tomorrow. We're going to be freaking out. And we're just so like, your story is just so touching. And it means so much to two women in our 30s, too, who also ride the performance roller coaster and also know we need to eat. And we have to make yes. we have to make yes. means, you know, means to end happen often. It's just this has been such a great conversation. And we are so I've blessed. I've realized you're wearing blue g- gingham. Yeah, just a little gingham, you know. A little representation. Yeah, a little rep. Got to do it. We got some. Am do you have your rainbows on? I've mm, like oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Like rainbows yeah. happening. Got the yellow brick road at the top. Yes, you know. there we go. There we go. <laughs> we can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's going to be. We're so excited. Magical. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. And thank you for sharing about your yellow brick road with us. We're we're oh, fans. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking an interest and asking me to be on and and all of, of that. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's. Yes, it's it's lovely. Here's to tomorrow's rainbow. I'm very excited. (laughs) Break a leg, Tony. Break a leg. (laughs) It's time to try to find gravity. Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling fresh with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and now Spotify woot woot to leave us a glowing rate and review. It's a big help. Each person who leaves us an Apple review will be entered to win our end of the season Oz giveaway, including a gift basket of Aussie book goodies that trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Good Witch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip tip here. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie M. <laughs>